Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. We must revitalize the sacred bonds of love and loyalty that bind us together as one national family. To the citizens of our country, serving as your President has been the honor of my lifetime. And to all of my wonderful supporters, I know you are disappointed, but I also want you to know that our incredible journey is only just beginning. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Hello, humans. Welcome to Yes, Bam, I Know Footwork. This is episode 18 of Power Report, and I am joined here with <laughs> Caesar and Bam from the We Made It podcast. Hello. <laughs> and also Sean, a uh, newly anointed, nicely cameraed Sean right here. Look at that camera angle. Look at that uh, modest camera angle. Now he's got to get you some of Caesar's streamer lights, and we can actually get kind of going here. Um, yes, I got some. I got some extras. I wanted. I just have a disco rave in the background now. That's the goal. Uh, throwback to my college room. Uh, that was pretty beef. Many parts of it were beef. <laughs> um, but yeah. it was a pretty. You know, we started Power Report almost a year ago to the day in its original iteration as Political Report, and we remember starting only on during the big important stories. Like back then, it was the Iran strike, uh, the first one of 2020. And um, it's kind of weird that a year after that big major event that we're not really covering anything that major this week, there wasn't really that big of anything going on. There was this one Georgia election that happened. There was the fact that uh, Donald Trump tried to interfere with that election results and was caught on tape. And that was leaked to the Washington Post. But um, that impeachable offense was the least important thing that happened this week because the Capitol kind of went up in smoke as Trumpers awesome. decided to ooh, ooh, uh, destroy many parts of the Capitol building <laughs> as the House of Representatives and the Senate were starting to confirm the votes, um, to confirm the electoral votes from the presidential election, thus certifying Joe Biden as being president. You know, um, it, methodical process number like 10 that affirms the obvious that Joe Biden had uh, won the presidency. So with that being said, I don't want to kind of go into a big thing because I think a lot of we all know what happened. We're all like very glued to the Internet as these videos were coming out. We're going to be talking about our thoughts as we're decompressing and we're going to be talking about how other people are um, already trying to spend the narrative around these things as we usually do. But I kind of want to open the floor to how you feel about being uh, part of the global south or one of those countries that America usually invades. <laughs> Uh, as someone from the global south, I'm offended. Um, <laughs> no, um, I think it's it's kind of been like a weird week. I think uh, I thought that you know when we were talking about doing PowerPoint before on Saturday, I thought the main focus was kind of be focused on just that video he did and uh, hearing Trump saying, "I just need eleven thousand three hundred seventy eight votes. Where am I going to find these votes? Who who got these votes from me? Yep. You 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 got them? Like he's trying to bid them votes off." And then, uh, uh, you know, Trump, the Trumpsters decided to say, nah, homie, that's not enough. And 
uh, decided to invade the capital with zip ties. Yeah, looked like probably a guillotine of some sort. The Dan's been talking about for whoa, months. Whoa, 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 whoa. And other, yeah. other well, items. We, to, we are not to, putting to me put in all that. We are, we are taking me out of that real quick, sir. <laughs> Hold, pause that. But anyways, no, no. Continue. Uh, yeah, like, it's just kind of, it's been insane. It's been insane um, what's been going on. And I think my reaction is like, at first I was, I don't know if it was like a, a like I was like, tripping upset or like upset um i was just kind of like annoyed because you know the obvious one of the biggest takeaways i just got from watching that invasion or whatever they want to call it independence day part three <laughs> um uh, no will smith though was when when they went in i'm like damn they're just like really letting them just walk up in there like they're gonna throw chairs through the window i thought the most secure building in the world was secure they're just walking in cops is Telling the press not they can't enter as file miles and miles of protesters enter the building. Like it just it seemed like a joke. It seemed pathetic. And I think it's like I'm sorry. Like people want to say, oh, this usually happens in like other countries. I'm like, damn, that I don't, I don't remember that happened in Brazil. I don't know what y'all talking about. That's that's the next level right there. If that happened in Brazil, they'd Ooh, they bring the helicopter out again from that video with a machine gun on it. They would not let that happen in Brazil. So um, those Trump supporters are mighty blessed to just be allowed to walk up in the Capitol building, steal, you know, f uh, steal documents and letters and laptops and private information from people and come in with zip ties. Who knows what their intent were, you know, with those items. So um, my takeaway is that it was like typical Trump people just trump fans and and just being a bunch of babies you know and, and and crying and whining whenever things aren't working for them and i'm like well you can do all you want because whatever happened he's still not your president anymore yeah i there, there's a lot there and i think we can understand what their intent was when they did bring zip ties and they were trying to storm the capitol on the day that their uh god emperor donald trump uh was about to be deposed from the throne as it were via the democratic process and the vote, well, they were probably gonna to try to hold Congress people hostage. Um, something that again, if these were, I think there's a comparison that's going on about um, what would happen if this were like the Black Lives Matter protesters. But I wanna even abstract a little bit further from that. What would happen if these were like foreigners from another country? What if these were those uh, scary um, ISIS that we were talking about in the early part of the 10s? where they had stormed the Capitol building and overwhelmed the police and uh, gotten within a wooden door's length of getting into the House of Representatives, uh, the Senate chambers, as they were certifying the vote for president. That would be insane, but it's a different ball game because it's a lot of Trump supporters and it's Americans, it's the, the issues coming from inside the house and it's coming from the dominant class within American society, not just talking about racially, but a lot of the people who flew in were like insurance agents and like real estate developers and people who were like genuinely well off but just hated the fact that their guy, their game show host was no longer gonna be president. Um, they were kind of going out in that way and that was the grouping that they were working under at that time. So um, I want to get some other thoughts, if those are there, as we get Kumi Cam going. Uh, Bam, what's up? Yeah, like watching the situation, I was watching it live. And <clears throat> like as I'm watching, I'm just like, wow, like this really shows how much the police in this country support this madness. Like... And all of it's driven from conspiracy theories and 
just disinformation, misinformation, like all these ridiculous, heinous lies that can be perpetrated. Um, and not even like just the ones now. There's like myths that are still out there that like are so much a part of American fabric when you see people still carrying the Confederate flag, like that has some kind of relevance. Um, but to see the police be complicit, like, and to, I mean, basically encourage, I mean, you saw some images where, you know, for a little bit, the police are fighting back, but you can tell that they didn't necessarily oppose what was going on there. Um, I don't want to say they as a whole, but like, it seemed like the majority, you know, at least like half just didn't care. Like they're down. I would imagine some of those people in that crowd are police officers. I mean, we had some, I mean, really um, fast to understand your point. We had some video of uh, the insurrectionists taking selfies with the cops. And I think you're right. I think there were a lot of like off-duty police officers who were probably in that mob. There's that Spider-Man meme of like the KKK pointing to the Trumpists pointing to the cops pointing to like, it was just like everywhere. So I, I think you're absolutely right yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen like over the past couple years, like so many police officers getting caught w wearing Q QAnon stuff, uh, regalia on their even on their uniforms, um, or being on social media supporting stuff like that. So, um, like that's for me. Like, I wasn't too worried about like those people. Like they are not actually about it. Because if you're really with it, like, you're not going to go in there and start, like, trying to take selfies and, like, you're going to go burn it down. <laughs> like, they got in there and got starstruck. So, like, they're not even, like, really, like, really about it. But the 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 troubling part is not necessarily those people. It's, like, the people that actually have some power, like the police officers, who were totally okay with that. And, um... Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't want to, yeah, belabor like the, oh, if it was these people, what would have happened? We already know, like we're aware of what would happen if it was other uh, entity protesting there at the Capitol building. But those police officers, like, that's something that we, like, that's something like across the board as a society, we really got to figure that out, how to get these elements out of the police. Yeah, uh, Sean, what are your reactions? Uh, a couple reactions. One thing, um, this reminded me, like when it was all happening, it reminded me of stuff that happened during the Civil War era of the United States where there was there's a place in Texas, a historical monument called Dead Man's Hole, where a bunch of Confederate um, sympathizers executed a bunch of, of Union loyalists um, unlawfully, uh, when they voted to, um, when that area of Texas voted to secede um, from the Union, and they um, took it upon themselves because they voted against what they wanted, obviously, and they hung them and threw them down a hole that is now preserved as a monument um, to all the, maybe about 35, 37 people or so they did. To just because of a simple disagreement, but the lawful, the thing was a vote. It was a vote, a democratic lawfully thing done but they disagreed with it so they took it in their own hands it reminded me of that situation where obviously georgia the election we already know that was um certified for the democrats um there all of the 
conspiracy theories and stuff going for um, all. I mean, there's a plethora of information for that. Um, and but it didn't go their way. So then they go and storm the Capitol, which is insane. Um, the other thing is, it was a direct coup attempt. Like they tried to, um, they stormed it to do their own thing to um, get in and to try and get their guy to get back into power, which is a straight up coup. And I think that's so frustrating is within that, I don't know why more wasn't done to stop the people. It's very frustrating to see that happening when it's your own capital building. It's supposed to be where all legislation is done in this country. And no one decided to do anything really to stop it and stuff. It's uh, it's insane. That's never happened in the history of this country um, when we had to um, suspend a vote um, with the House when it was because of an event like this. And the last time that anything is comparable is when the British, um, during the War of 1812, when they burned the shit to the ground because we were in war against them. So it's something that is unprecedented and it's very, very concerning. And it's concerning to a lot of people too, people outside of politics and people who aren't really involved. A lot of I saw a lot of people online and stuff um, talking about it, which is good and bad, bad because it happened, but good because now it's more and more people now, especially younger people getting involved in the political process because of events like this, because of the four years of Trump and seeing all the bullshit that's going on. People want change, but they don't want to see the country fall apart like the way it's leading towards. So very disconcerting. There's so much shit that's going on that, yeah, I mean, it all started with tr the Trump phone call of like, hey, I want, I need these votes. And then it escalated to all this insanity. So, and now he's banned off Twitter, which is hilarious. Yeah, you, you're jumping into so, a lot of things yeah. there and we're definitely going to get into them. I want to get into like a, a bit of an order, but I think the bit you're yeah. getting on that I think is really important is the fact that this is an incredibly unprecedented thing. We have some analogs in history to kind of go back to and think about this as something that happened or something similar events that happened. But this is unprecedented where you have a president openly encouraging an insurrection, a months long campaign that is ending in this act of violence, of crowd violence. Uh, it ended up in at least uh, five deaths. Um, some of them are varying levels of humor as to how they happened. But the unprecedented nature of this event happening is something that is already trying to be glossed over in a lot of aspects of the media as it is right now. They're trying to say, um, oh, well, we can't compare this to the Black Lives Matter protests because uh, those were riots and this was just like an upset kind of thing. Like there's already all of this ridiculous spin going around that and we I, I have already outside of the idea that the mainstream cable news media where a lot of people get their information where people get glued to these things during breaking news events like these I've gone I'm far gone to the idea that they will have learned anything really from the Trump administration these past four years because we've had disaster after calamity after tragedy and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and this is just the breaking point of not putting your foot down as a media apparatus but it seems as though at this point that with only 12 days to go in Trump's term or actually less now depending on when this goes up really like less than two weeks now you have organizations like Twitter um, some Republicans uh, Facebook now saying okay now what Donald Trump has done is too much and we have to now put our foot down because 
the things that Trump is doing are doing to the country are fomenting uh, chaos and potentially sparking violence. And because he has a propensity to do this and a likelihood to do this, we are going to make sure that he can no longer do this on our platforms. Or in the case of the Republicans, we are strongly upset that Trump has taken it to this level as though he hasn't telegraphed that he'd been doing this for the past five years or that he would do anything like this over the past five years. So again, there's a rush to look like you are holding him accountable at like day 10. Uh, Jared Holt compared it to that one Spongebob meme, we did it, Patrick, we saved the city as the city is like burning down in the background. Mm-hmm. I-, I think that's just, we can't lose sight of not everything, like we can't lose sight of everything that happened during this administration, but we also can't lose sight of how historically ridiculous this is. Just because we live in a moment and the moments pass by really quickly with social media, doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge that some days are weirder than others. Honestly, I think that, although I do think a lot of, like, this incident will be forgotten in a lot of ways, and although we're going to talk about him in a little bit, there's a lot of, like, uh, a lot of the leftist media people that I used to follow that I don't, I went to go look to see their narrative on this, and they were barely talking about it. Um, I think because not like no no prominent so to speak people were hurt that it's gonna be just seen as like almost a joke like you're it's gonna get memed more than anything like just seeing the guy carrying the podium and like the people carrying the mail like it's gonna be looked at as like it's gonna become memeified whereas i think about it like if those politicians those elected politicians were in that building when those people came in there you know, it would, I, I mean, I honestly think it would have been a bloodbath, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it, it would have won, it would have been one of the worst days in American history as, as like a, you know, modern democracy or whatever. Um, but I do think that it's going, like this incident will probably end up being like looked at as a joke in a lot of ways. That's an interesting take. Uh, anyone got thoughts on that? Yeah, I think because it wasn't like it. It was a lot. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. That um, and there's a lot of stuff within the Trump administration that were quite unforgivable and treasonous and stuff throughout the four years of his presidency that have been overlooked. This could be another thing. I'm hoping it's not that can get overlooked or overshadowed by other stuff or people like as Bama saying people will forget this and it's not being like blown up as much or the scrutinization of it needs to be harder on them because it's such an unparalleled event in our history that needs to be um it needs to be ramified of how bad it is but I'm doubtful that it'll happen because so many, like, for example, all of the, a lot of the right-wing media and stuff, you had Tucker Carlson saying that um, it wasn't so bad, or him, or uh, some of the Congress people saying that Antifa came in and did stuff, and I'm like, how are you, how absurd are you people that you're saying this just to, you know, radicalize your base or whatnot? I'm like, dude, they're already radicalized enough, obviously, with what no, they've that, done. That was, like, really fast, like, that was amazing to me how, like, on... Yeah. There are certain, not just in the right-wing media, but, like, on Parler and Twitter and all this other shit. Like, they, you had these cases where um, 
people were saying that, oh, it was Antifa that came and stormed the Capitol. You had literally yeah. uh, people saying, oh, like, what? yeah, like w what was going on? Like you, you have people How? saying the woman who died who was shot in the Capitol, whose um, like n n neck yeah. exploded on MSNBC Live. Like <sighs> apparently she was Antifa. <laughs> I'm I'm smoking that Ashley pack today, and um, and I'm letting y'all know she was not Antifa because I'm smoking that pack. She's like it's absurd that anyone would say that like to try and deflect blame or like it was hilarious of that one dude with the Chewbacca costume or whatever the fuck he was wearing. They had like a picture. There was some stuff I saw on Facebook of some extreme like. Um, QAnon people where they're like this guy's Antifa look at him in a different rally and if you actually go to the original uh, picture it has him with the sign of Q sent me I'm like this dude is not this dude is QAnon what the hell do you ex he's not Antifa no one and, there and again, was like, and it's why just why are people doing this is this something that just happens spontaneously or was deflection. it something that just like wasn't known you're like yeah they're doing this because of deflection but they're doing this because these are the patterns of what they've been doing over the past four years this is the chickens coming yeah, home exactly. to goddamn roost blame the left exactly of everything can, 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 can I, this is like the same tactic like and not to go all into it but like when Russia invaded Ukraine. They're like, oh, no, no, there's no Russian troops. It's like, yeah, there are. <laughs> like, no, they're there, dude. Like, no, there's no troops. There's no Russian troops. Like, yes, they're, we're, we see them. They caught their ass in 4K. But it works. They caught their own asses in 4K. They were, like, live streaming it in the yeah. whole thing for their Patreons and shit. <laughs> so, so it's like, but, but for some reason, it, it kind of works on people. Like, you plant oh, yeah, that seed and it, shit. It, it just, like, sparks more conspiracy theories and like people just be like well you know was it staged was it this was it that and it's like you can never there, there's just no truth but go no. ahead c's big c's you're muted c's i think a lot of people don't really know what antifa is i think they pretend they do i think that that's what i'm realizing in this country i think that a lot like when they were when you go to when you're watching a rally and you're thinking to yourself these guys can't be trumpsters they're antifa i'm like why would an Antifa person dress up as a Trumpster and show their face? You know they're Trump fans because they all show their face. No one wore a mask. Like, why yeah. would they? And a person, the comments were like, oh, well, that's what they want. They, they're obviously going to do that. I'm like, yeah, but they wouldn't show their face. <laughs> like, they're all showing their faces. They're taking selfies. They don't do that, dude. They come, they come through to cause hell. They don't come through to take selfies and hang out and sit on chairs. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What's up? Caesar, how come you know much so much about Antifa? <laughs> I don't know. I look but up I mean, stuff. Like, <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, like we, we. And I thought the worst thing was I saw a video of uh, uh, on on uh, I think it was CNN. They were covering the the invasion, or whatever the hell. And he said, "Oh, like they sh they were showing like the six cops trying to stop like the four hundred thousand people trying to break in." And this is what literally I'm gonna give you a quote for quote what he said. He said. And it's really a shame to see how tired and beaten and bruised in this police force is after having to deal with the BLM protests. And 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 this is like the this is like the results of the BLM everything all year. Like, oh really, dude? <laughs> really? This is this is BLM's fault that these cops are tired from eight months ago. Uh, did you not have enough donuts since then, dude? Where did you have enough time like, off? Even like, what are you talking? What like, you know, before like, literally, what are you talking about? Like, and then afterwards, Trump tried to drop the video, fake condemning it, and then talking about, oh yeah, I called the National Guard. 
buddy, you you called the Mike Pence called the National Guard at like 7 p.m. after the curfew. There was no National Guard a whole damn time chilling. What are you talking about? It was all it was the most like like of course we're all I think a lot of people are gonna forget about this as as news does seem to trend towards. But I will say that. I felt like it was going to be like that when the BLM protest started, and that stuck around for a while. So I'll, I'm going to give this a benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's going to stick around a little longer because this was something that the world saw. Like, the world kind of saw this. And I think it, it's going to be a talking note because the next two weeks are going to be very critical in terms of what's going to move forward. Yeah, Trump is basically is on his way out, but there's gonna there, there's either going to be a precedent set or it's just going to be a consistent tone what's been with the four years, which is you can just kind of do whatever you want. And then I guess it's going to be, oh, he's leaving. Like, no, there's no precedent at that point. So I'm, I think it's going to stick around for a little bit as a talking point and, um, and for both parties. I want to see how both parties kind of react no, to No, for this. sure. The next, four, the next two weeks, I think even three weeks, are going to be critical because uh, both you, Caesar, and Sean um, touched on some really good points about, like, how there needs to be accountability at this point um, for everything that's gone on. But even like Caesar, one thing you touched on that I kind of will help me lead to my accountability point was the fact that Trump used Antifa really quickly to try to discredit and distract from the idea that uh, not just black people, but especially black people, but everyone was upset and disgusted and distraught and angry and wanted answers after the George Floyd um, killing and murder. And after all those things were um, put into the light uh, up around May, June of last year, people were actually angry. And so what do you do when people are angry at you? You make them scared of something else, which was something that we all sort of expected was gonna happen. This is Republican Playbook 101. Of course, Trump was gonna rip from that because he doesn't have an original goddamn thought ever going on his stupid little fucking tiny ass brain. but. The other leading aspect of that was Trump using Antifa and saying, Antifa is this organized thing where they're flying planes all across the country. They're just, they lie all the time and they see what sticks because they've gotten away with it for years and no one calls them out on it. We've already established that. But the Antifa lie, the idea that it's an organized thing that's constantly going out here and there. It, it, I wish the left was I organized. I wish the left was organized, but the idea that that existed was allowed to propagate through and like uh, continue through um, Republican rhetoric because it wasn't shot down. There were no decent Republicans to say like, "Hey, listen, I disagree with like the idea of Antifa, but I'm not going to go into this idea of it. I'm going to say Antifa is this like decentralized organization or whatever, where it's not really one person. No, they go in for the smear. They're not going to actually tell you the goddamn truth about anything." They're going to always begin their arguments in bad faith. And we're so far removed from that aspect, the entire party does that, that this is one of those unique moments where it all comes down to roost. You can see a direct tie through every aspect of behavior, both through Trump's behavior and the sort of um, enabling of his behavior from all the people within the Republican Party power sphere that have allowed this moment to happen. And to bring it to my other point, that's why they need to be held accountable. That's why um, there's this hilarious idea of the 25th Amendment. You had Republicans doing this fake ass, oh, let's get the 25th Amendment on him. Let's call on Trump's cabinet to get rid of Donald Trump. Trump's cabinet's been purged two times over. All the people who weren't loyal enough to Donald Trump, which by the way, your cabinet since the Andrew Johnson, or Andrew Jackson, whatever, has been people who are the president's friends that you pick, all right? So those are gonna be loyal people. Trump got rid of most of his cabinet within his 
like one administration within four years, all right? So the people who weren't sufficiently loyal enough to him already, who weren't, didn't already see the red flags and resigned or clashed with him and left, are the ones who were there. So now we're going to rely on them to uh, activate the 25th Amendment and say that Trump's not able to hold office? Really? We're going to rely on their courage now? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I also wanted to say about this incident, like, it was interesting to see the narratives coming out of the like right center right whatever um and even i think trump had some of this rhetoric too like oh you know those people were just so frustrated you know they're oh, so Jesus. upset we you love know, you like they're so mad about everything going on and the election and the shutdowns and people are losing their jobs and people can't do this because they're go and it's like i mean this just shows like the double standard oh yeah that that Frustration is is plenty good for them, but for us, you better take your black ass home, or your white ass, whatever. Be happy with what you got. You can't be you 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 can't be frustrated after you've seen this person die under the boot of this uh, police officer. You can't be frustrated after you've seen it dozens of times. These people are frustrated, man. Don't you understand? That's why they. That's why they might have. Uh, you know, hung somebody in the in the Capitol building. They're upset, but that double standard is still alive and well. I mean, the double standard was consistent across the board uh, that day. I mean, talking about even police, like the police killed somebody, shot someone in the neck, and their neck blew up. There, you you killed somebody in uh, in the <laughs> you killed somebody, and then not only that, they killed somebody died there, and then the senators like walk through the hallway where the person died like an hour ago later, and just resumed doing their thing till 2am as if nothing just happened and decided the Republicans had to do a bunch of speeches where everybody wanted to start bringing up Andrew Jackson references. I'm like, can we just like what are we doing right now? Somebody literally died outside this door where you're at right now. These windows are broken and you're still acting like it's some kind of real uh, bureaucratic stuff going on right now. That's not even the case, man. What's up? Well, well I, I actually, I, I kind of, I think that's kind of a good thing that they went back and resumed it because yeah. I think, I think them doing that kind of took the power out of their movement a bit. Like yeah, I think but- they, they, they would have loved to disrupt everything. And the fact that they went back and like finished the job and like it was against what they wanted, I I, I kind of like that they did. That. I wasn't going against them going back and doing. It. I was like, going against them going back and doing these elaborate speeches each Republican got to do and got to talk about how it is being American and what the day is. Ted, I'm like, Ted shut Cruz the hell up! Like you yeah. you don't get to do that. Just go in there, drop your vote, and walk the hell home. Like whatever you got to do, get your escort back to the crib or the hotel. Like it was just annoying to me. I thought that that was like really kind of disgusting behavior because um and also like you said it's a double standard it's a double standard about the police the police literally uh, did a terrible job of managing the situation um someone died they didn't people stuff all personal information got stolen and some of these people are like literally flip-flopping the reaction from the day of they're talking about how oh well you know man God bless those officers for being there. Thank you for being there. But hey, like, oh, this and this is just, they're they're all like so flip floppy. Like all of a sudden, like the cops are like, uh, it's all good. They did this, but someone just died. I just think it was just like so inconsistent with the messages and reactions 
from from afterwards. And a lot of the reactions are so corny because some of those people, those same people that were like on the Republican side that are whining about Trump, you've literally enabled him for four years. You literally were were on his team and attacking Democrats and people from the other side who were opposed to these views. And now, now all of a sudden you're here. It took a man with pictures of like six zip ties walking through and you ducking under a chair for you to realize you're doing stuff to people like get out of here like it, it was just across the board just terrible like that's a terrible day a terrible day for american history like that's garbage right there if i could sort of like wrapping bring this to a close we move on to the next things um the yes it was a very dark day for american history i very much kind of agree with bam in the sense that you have to show at least that the mob was there at the end of the day to disrupt the democratic process. Literally, not just not just some bullshit mm -hmm. about like Congress is naming post offices most of the time, right? Most of the days that Congress is doing shit, it's not important and it's not relevant. But this is the day they were certifying the vote for the president of the United States. It was very clear what those people were there to do, which was to, to disrupt that thing. And you have to show that that shit's not going to be disrupted. That America's not like at bare minimum, you have to show that like the weekend warriors, the base pro supreme shop um, rewards club members are not going to be able to take the capital base. shop, right? Base. Base. Double base, right? I think it's ridiculous that it has... <laughs> I think it's ridiculous that the English language has the word base and bass in it like that. I think that's dumb. I, I said this years um, ago, but I'm an immigrant. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. But, but like, Nothing. <laughs> the, you have to show that you are going to be able to move on from that. That's for sure. But we do have that aspect where you have Ben Shapiro... Um, who I know I go and focus on this all the time, but he deleted an article where he warned that Trump, leading to yeah, leading oh, yeah. to Trump would um, further plunge the Republican Party into vacillating demagogic absurdity, and that he would never stand with it. He would be a never Trump person. And it's funny ah. you can't find this article anymore because he deleted it from its website. You can only find it in the Wayback Machine because. There's a new article um, and a new show. In fact, Ben Shapiro spent the past four years saying, look, even though I dislike Trump in the past, I can bend backwards and do these other like weird uh, limbo loop things into making sure that I can justify ways into finding Trump. Some of recently that he had articles and episodes going why I'm voting for Trump this time. So he said back four years ago that he will not have this on his hands. This is directly on his hands because not only was he like, he didn't. He made a career off of being the person who was skeptical of Trump at first, but used the guise of logic in order to be okay with this. So he is very much just as much an enabler as uh, Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity, who's been knee deep in the shit since Trump fell down the elevator. I mean, Tim Tim Pool is as much as to blame because this this beanie wearing fucker kept talking about some damn civil war. And his ass was going to go to D.C., but then he's like, eh, no, maybe, no, I won't go. Okay, bye. And then puts his tail... Isn't his ass in D.C.? Yeah. Like, isn't that the thing? Where, like, he was... He's saying he wouldn't debate Sam Cedar because he wouldn't come and fly all the way to his, like, headquarters in D.C. But, oh, so yeah. if, if apparently you're too afraid of... Tim Pool, isn't he the journalist who was at Occupy? Is it, why is Tim Pool afraid of the little cops? Not, not a cop's there. What's going yeah. on? Ron, Ron Watkins, also to blame... Yeah. Tim 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 Pool also said every single state was going to go red, including California, except Colorado. So Tim Pool doesn't know anything inside that sweaty, musty beanie of his. Oh, guys, a fucking moron.
So the other actual thing that happened this week, other than Donald Trump uh, begging like a man who's down bad <laughs> for the Georgia Secretary of State to change the vote count for him, there's actually um, a major thing that happened, which uh, <laughs> a, a little ray of light in the dark clouds. It looks like the Democrats may have somehow failed and stumbled their way into having at least control of two branches of government with the presidency and the uh, both branches of Congress, House and the Senate. Slim majorities in both. I think in the House, they have it up by only like 10 or 11 votes. And then in the Senate, they have it up by two votes. Um, there's some talk of Murkowski maybe switching um, from being a Republican to a Democrat. I'm just going to say this right now so it's recorded in time so it can sound really cute later when she doesn't. And um, it is... You also have the issue that I've talked about at length in other contexts and will maybe continue to hear about Joe Manchin, who has already said that he's not going to support anything like um, removing the Senate filibuster or changing things that have to do with budget reconciliation that um, would limit uh, progressive ideas like uh, Medicare for all or even some big infrastructure projects from happening. Joe Manchin's going to stand in the way of all of that. Joe Manchin's going to stand in the way of Medicare for all. Joe Manchin's going to stay and stand in the way of not even like a Green New Deal, but even the slightest amount of climate legislation or justice that we can possibly do. I mean, Joe Manchin would probably stand in the way of $2,000 checks were it not for even Joe Biden saying that he would do that as long as the two senators were elected. It's a little bit too much on the nose. You don't want to like kick off your presidential administration on that much of a wrong foot. Um, there's really nowhere to go but up right now. But this is the moment that I've talked about on um, my episode with the insurgents. Um, I've talked about with Bam a little bit off like air sometimes, but like this is the moment where there are no excuses for Democrats to not do what at bare minimum what they were elected for. And there's also no excuses from the uh, left, the insurgent left within the Democratic Party to not be pressuring the Democratic Party at every measure they can. This is weirdly enough, like it's chaotic and it's horrible to say because there's so much uh, unnecessary misery and suffering and death to get here. But this is the greatest political opportunity the Democrats have had since the beginning of the Obama administration. And I can't wait for them to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, so I'd kind of like just end on there and that kind of like monologue bit. But like, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts about um, like just Georgia <laughs> happening and like, yeah, how the Democrats are going to ruin this? Well, going back to Georgia, like, I think it's pretty crazy. Like, um, you know, Georgia was founded as an all white colony and uh, now it's got the most black people and it's got a, yeah. a black and a Jewish senator. Um, Bam, I don't like the way you have to say a black. Why do you have to say a black? Like, why got to be like that? I'm allowed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and. And and, uh, uh, and uh, I didn't know we're card checking Bam, but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> no, this ain't my old job. We do card check here. Half Australian Jewish uh, senator, also, but um, yeah, I mean, like, this is kind of my 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 personal feelings of it. I've never really been someone to expect anything from like like federal government or think that anything special is going to happen because there's Democrats in charge. So I don't really have any expectations. Um, I, I mean, 
I'm glad that Mitch McConnell hopefully won't have as much power Minority as he's leader. had because he's the worst. Um, and and he, he's the worst, and he's also a maverick. So like everybody was like talking about two thousand dollars, and he's like the one person that's like no. Um, so like like the the way I feel personally is like okay, that's good for them. I'm not really having any expectations from having like Democrats in power. Um, but it is significant. Raphael Warnock is like somebody who is, um, you know, he's a, he's he's a, the pastor at where Martin Luther King used Martin Luther King Jr. used to uh, preach, and you know, these are pretty significant people. But on a personal level, I'm not like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have much expectations because of that. Um, I, I I'm a, I'm a little bit on. Not as I'm not really aligned much with the kind of BAM is in terms of I do think there's going to be some more change with the federal government this time. I think that it's hard to compare this to what we've been seeing in the past because I think we can all agree that in the last probably two to three years, we've kind of seen a lot of events that aren't really consistent with our lifetime and what we've yeah. seen. Of course, I think Dan brings an excellent comparison to Obama's early administration. I think we all had a sense of like breath of fresh air. When he had that beautiful intro and everybody's crying in a crowd and Obama comes through, I thought he was about to just dunk a ball right there. It was, it was game over. But uh, um, what I what you got to see is like, oh, well, look, we had the Bush administration. We saw how that went down from Iraq and everything. And look where we are now. Like Obama's here. It's time for change. And that was a whole initiative. Well, fast forward to now, you know, we had probably one of the most horrific movie-like exits for a president in history. I mean, it's from at least recorded history. Lord knows what it was getting down back then when it was just papers and, and, and Tony Express. And knock on wood, it's still but, in progress. Uh, like, right, we're still right out now. of the woods yet. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, he's almost out, whatever, and hopefully two weeks he's he's out earlier. Um, and it's it, you're seeing the transition into, like, well, it went from being all red, basically, to getting the, getting the, the having the house still, uh, getting the Senate votes, um, getting the two senators in in, in uh, Georgia, and to be honest, with you, going into like all that the situation and Mitch McConnell going from major to like a minority basically now uh, in terms of the Senate majority leader, minority leader. The only other people I really hate there are still J John Cornyn and, and Ted Cruz. Like those are the like the three headed monsters I hate that are like running amok up in that uh, Senate. So the fact that that it is um, Democratic side. A little bit uncomfortable with Kamala Harris being a swing vote, but it's all good. You know, I hope, hope she uh, falls in line with the, uh, a lot of the, the policies that we need to see fit. And I think that the Democrats have, a, of course, a good opportunity. But also, I can only expect them to at least do 30 percent of what they could possibly do, because even if you roll out a 2K, I think that overall consensus, that would be a massive footstep forward for them just with like, of the public and American public in general, I think, oh, across party lines, I think people will be like, oh, thing. I mean, at least they did that. Like, you know, I geez, I, I don't like Democrats, but hey, at least they got me this two K. Like, that's something because the part that you had didn't get you that. The part that you were like before, maybe if you weren't Democratic, got you six hundred. So, uh, and and what what eighteen hundred maybe the whole year because if you got the twelve twelve fifty before or whatever, so. It's 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 good to see. I think they can make a change, and I don't expect a ton of policy. I don't expect, of course, the fracking stuff, all the stuff going on. Yeah, you know, as on the left side of the Democratic Party, we can only expect so much from the Democratic Party to pressure them to, to change. But if they just start off 
with just really kicking off with the IRS to get those stimulus bills out and and up upping maybe even increasing the unemployment uh, um, up until May or June instead of just March, just on on a foot going forward, they can do their usual filibustering and and, and doodling around until, as long as they get that done first. Just get that on the table first, then play around wherever the hell you want to do afterwards. Uh, does the resident fan of Kyle Kalinske have anything to say on the matter? <laughs> On whether Democrats are um, strong or not. Well, first, before getting to that point, first off is, I'm glad that Ossoff and Warnock won because Purdue and Leffler are two giant piles of pieces of shit. Um, Leffler is one of the it was one of the uh, several Republicans that was able to get insider information on coronavirus and traded stocks illegally with that insider information and gain money right before the pandemic started to have widespread consequences Hater. in America. And um, <laughs> no, well, and then, and then like, Purdue I, I, I just is, want to like break uh, down really quickly for the audience. Insider trading, it's understanding when a stock is going to go up or down and before it actually happens and using that information to benefit from that. And so Purdue's family, <laughs> Purdue's uh, family did that shit while running for the, while Le- running for the Senate in Leffler. Georgia. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Le- Kelly Leffler. Yeah. Kelly Leffler and uh, her husband hey. did that. Yes. And then David Purdue is a, frantic anti-Semite because he kept running anti-Semitic ads against John Ossoff, like making his nose seem bigger in ads and stuff and a couple other things that were pretty horrendous. So I am glad that they're out and fuck them on God. Other thing now, going on to the main thing of now Democrats having relative control of the Senate and House and presidency as long as Uncle Joe is, you know, still vibing. Um, there, the big thing with this is now they have no nothing else to blame but themselves for the next couple of years. Because the thing with Democrats over the past, for a while now, is that they'll always deflect blame of why they can't do things. They'll deflect of, oh, we can't do Medicare for all, or we can't do this, we can't fight these guys on this because we don't have control of this, or blah, 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 or we're pussies, who fucking knows. Whatever. There is nothing else that they can blame but themselves for a long time now, and we have to get on them about it. If we want something done, you have to go and really get on, on to them or else they're going to keep doing their neoliberal ways of just tiny little micro um, transactions, thank you EA, of reform of these tiny little things that really do nothing in the long run. I mean, Obama was supposed to be this great leftist, but obviously he was a neoliberal corporatist to the heart and core. And, and all those policies of basically the 90s style of, of Democrats is not changed. And it's stuff that now we have some younger voices, obviously some more um, leftists and stuff that are getting into in, into politics, which we'll uh, tap on a little bit later on. But it's it's a step in the right direction. It's nice to see Georgia going that way with now more people. I mean, the black voter turnout was insane. There were so many people that went out to vote um, in the runoff, which is good to see. Uh, more again, it's going back to my point earlier in the podcast of more and more people are getting into the political process now because they're fed up with what's going on in the government and seeing all the shit that's going down. So those are the things that are nice to see. But now I want to see the Democrats actually do something. Do I think they'll do not anything? Probably not because they've had this, they've had power like this before, and they've done jack dick with it. I mean, under the Obama years, they they gave massive bailouts to um, the institutions that started the great financial crisis in 08. They still continue to uh, 
on drone and bomb and all this stuff and their foreign policy stuff and they haven't changed much in that so but hopefully more stuff will come so get on them and tell nancy pelosi to um stop being an asshole not to say worse things but i i want to get to a point really fast because like what Bam opened this up with is that, like, yeah, I don't have any faith in Ossoff or Warnock to be particularly better politicians than anyone else. And I, like, largely agree with that point. Um, the only... I have no faith in any politician, even the ones I like. But the only thing I see... Like, I really only see the Democratic elected uh, officials as empty vessels for power. And I see some of these... I, mean, I see all politicians as empty vessels for power. And that if there are... Uh, politicians who are easier for me to pressure, I see that as an advantage. And right now, there are more politicians who are easier for me to pressure in power than there have been, or easier for people like me to pressure than there have been in 10 years. So um, that's what I'm about. I don't think they're going to agree with me. I'm probably going to fight with them, and like chances are I don't get the exact thing I want, but me not fighting and the left not fighting more broadly and being loud um, and being adversarial mm -hmm. over the next two years is not going to get any of our policy agendas or our top priorities even looked at, let alone passed. Because it, we face enough hurdles of in front of us, even if we can get past the Democratic Party and what we want to. Because there's the Republican Party, there's all the legal challenges that are going to come from all these different things, because the judicial branch is still flooded with um, conservative backing. But... The Dem dealing with the Democrats is just step one, and I'm glad that we have a better fight. This is just that one time where, like, yeah, I wasn't happy during the end of the election um, because I was waiting until the inauguration and I wanted Georgia to happen. Now I'm a little bit better because we have a more actual, like, possible fight so we can do things like uh, force the vote or at least strategies similar to force the vote and isn't just a complete fucking waste of time. I mean, it's always easier to fight as a leftist. It's always easier to fight neoliberal corporatists than it is to fight fascists. So yes, very much it's, so. It's, it's always, very it's, easier as a person of color to fight neoliberal corporatists than it is fascists. Um, because I mean, I don't even need to get into it because I'm taking a lot of space anyways. Other people have thoughts, right? Bam, Bam wants to speak. Oh, Bam, you're muted, muted, Rooney. And and Bam is oh, muted. Caesar, you want to go? Or you want me to go? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead um, I just want to say two things. Like, I think, like, politicians are, like, these politicians are only going to be as powerful as the movements that we create mm -hmm. to push them. Um, and, like, the culture behind the policies. Like, if we get enough people to really advocate for these policies, then, like, these politicians can end up implementing them. And I also think that this might be a good opportunity for leftists to push the Republican Party. Because I don't know why we have to just push the Democrats. Oh, like, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a damn easy-ass question because the, the, the Republicans are not receptive to the Democratic Party. The, the Republicans have not... I mean, the difference between leftists more broadly and let's say a different demographic, like say the Latino population, speaking and the only time I really ever want to, speaking of the population as a singular voting block, is the fact that Republicans can, um, rep for, for, like as far as le the Latino voting block goes, Republicans and Democrats have fair game over that because you have conservative Republicans, you have conservative <coughs> Latinos, right? 
there's no really real thing as a conservative leftist. So like that's just not even in the ballpark for them. If Republicans wanted to run to the left, like Donald Trump was sort of doing that to some extent. Like uh, the test for the great test for that was Donald Trump saying, yeah, let the people eat $2,000 checks. And Mitch McConnell going, dude, that's not the game. That's not what we're here to do. We're a Republican LLC and we are not about giving the giving people money like that. That is we had that test play out really quickly in real time. And I want to remind you, Bam, that the Republican Party is abjectly against those things because they've built an entire system around fear-mongering around the left. They already know they're not going to get those votes. They're going to siphon and wring out the towel of white supremacy for as long as they can. Well, I, I think that there's still a fight there um, because... I don't necessarily look at a Democrat, somebody who's like a centrist Democrat is having the same politics as me either, but I'm still going to fight them too. I think like the Democratic Party was in the minority in the Senate um, these past four years and the left focused on them when they didn't have the majority power. I think that there's, because some of the like leftist, just a one leftist kind of policy is universal healthcare, Medicare for all for whatever. I, I often hear that 70% of America wants this policy. Mm-hmm. And I'm and for me, I'm like, okay, but if that's the case, then there should be at least one Republican that sees that that is a good thing to run on. Somebody, I don't know if they don't know, somebody's got to be telling them, hey, 70% of America, allegedly, I don't know if that's true, I hear it all the time. If 70% of America, somebody's got to be pushing these Republicans, not necessarily left, but to policies that make sense for America. Right. And the- it would be great it'd be great to do that, but the only issue is that so many of them are corrupt like corrupt up to their gills that that's never gonna happen because so, so are Democrats. Do- I Democrats- mean yeah, some are Democrats. Yeah, so so that, that, that's like, why I say that. Sorry, but it goes back to that main point mm-hmm. that one side is easier to pressure than the other side. And so that's the side they're gonna spend a fight, energy a fight, on. A fight a fight ain't easy. A fight is not easy. It's a fight. No, obviously. So, so if you pressure, if, if you pressure easy, and unite one side, then the other side has to buckle at a time when you, that side is the minority party, because that side is going to say. I mean, it, the fight it, is a fight. Is it easy? Is it is it easy? It, what's what's easier to invade England or Russia in the winter? Like what the hell? I, I, I but we have enough people that we can do both. I, I think that it's a good you, time for leftists, principal leftists, to not focus all their like. If you got 100 people, okay, like 15 of y'all pressured the Republicans too. Like, we can't just focus all our energy on Democrats. There, there's a whole nother party I, I, I think there. That's, and like, so sorry to interrupt, but I think like to capsulate your point, because I understand what you're saying, is that now's a great opportunity, strategy-wise, looking forward, that now that we are in this new position, uh, we know Medicare for All would need at least 60 votes to pass the Senate to go past the filibuster and budget reconciliation and all that stuff. Um, what's the first Republican in our way? Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. <laughs> and like, I'm sorry you just said, let's start going for Republicans, but that's the most conservative Democrat, for example. That's the one in West Virginia. Yes. That's one that's very easy to replace. And that's also another one that Republicans are gonna read the tea leaves on and go, 
okay, that's Joe Manchin, and he was the dumbass martyr. So if the Republicans are going to take on your idea, Bam, and decide to start accepting further left policies, albeit watered-down policies, like we start to move the Republicans to Mitt Romney's health care plan, while the Democrats are starting to move more towards like a Medicare for all thing, then like Yahtzee, yeah, that's a good idea. But I think that still comes down to picking which people you are um, fighting and picking smartly for that and um, being strategic about where that goes. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of people and like we don't have like we got a lot of people and there's these like we don't have to just focus on the Democrats is what I'm saying. Also, like, it's not necessarily the Republican politicians. It's like, where, like the the places where, uh, like, their constituents. We saw these uh, counties and stuff flip in Georgia. Mm-hmm. You get somebody in Mississippi going out there, getting people registered to vote, getting people to understand these different policies. That'll do something too. Like the, going into these like red counties and cities and and jurisdictions, and saying like, hey, like, you know, since this magical seventy percent of people want Medicare for all, like. They gotta be in those counties too, so so yeah, like we we can do both is what I'm saying. Like we can also we can focus on pushing all these democratic uh, uh, centrists, and we can also put some energy in getting into some of these red jurisdictions, like they did in Georgia, and 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 not necessarily pushing the pushing people left, but pushing people to like sensible policies. Yeah, because if you frame it as if you explain what a universal healthcare system is without saying Medicare for all or single payer or, or, or socialism, you don't have to say any of those words. You just say, hey, do you want a system of government where you don't have to worry about the medical bills? It's pretty fucking simple. And if you explain it that way, then you will have that 70% of people. Because when you frame it, because obviously a lot of, of taking polling and stuff is a lot of framing. So a lot of the right wing think tanks and stuff they frame it like do you want social socialized medicine a lot of people will say no but then if you frame the question a different way of like hey do you want a healthcare system again where you don't go bankrupting or you don't have to worry about bills or you can go in and all this other jazz then people are way in for in favor of that which obviously is a universal healthcare single-payer system mm-hmm. um so if you get that out and that information out more to the masses and stuff um which is slowly getting there then that's one way to swing more of these of these right-wing people into pressuring their representatives in the republican party so that's i understand now what you're trying to say before, um now bam um and that part i do agree with because i always say if try to be reasonable with these people and your left things, but don't frame it as a left position. Because obviously as a resident socialist, everything I do is very extreme, but I'm not going to frame it in that way because people already have in this country already have a negative connotation of a lot of these leftist ideas. So if you frame it in different ways that people can, you can explain it to them and they get an idea of it, then you can, um, they can start pressuring the members of their own party. Seize, seize. Season. I forgot. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, I love you, though. And, and Sean, oh, for good. the record, like, you don't get to claim to be the resident socialist. I'm literally wearing the Democratic Socialist Social Club sweater for a reason. That's Democratic Socialist. That's some bullshit. I- I'm wearing a Socialist <laughs> Country sweater. So yeah, yeah, there we go. I'm trying to I'm trying to free Hawaii. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Take them damn telescopes off my listen, island. We, we well, listen, be I'm not going to put Caesar um, on blast. I'll just let him get, get his points here. 
Um, also, I, I thought I, I was like thinking of a good way. You know, they could also framed like when they were talking about like hospitals and healthcare. People say, "Oh, well, I don't want Medicare for all because I don't want like the hospitals would just be super packed as if they're not already." Mm-hmm. You could just be like, "Wouldn't you want to pay for your? Wouldn't you want to pay for? Wouldn't you want to pay for healthcare that could provide to you faster, uh, faster times into your own favorite doctors and practices?" Yeah, because if you do Medicare for all and you do these programs, you can actually pay for higher level health care insurance at, that people aren't going to be as willing to do because they'll be receiving free. And your favorite doctor at Hogue or whatever is going to be easy access to get in because it's just we can just go to the free spots if you want to. And those will be more expensive. So thus, in theory, less people will be there. There's I think one of the greatest the best things that that the the Trump administration the Republican Party has done in the four years is they do an excellent job of communicating to their base. They do a great job of, yes. of, of whether of course it's it's not accurate or it's a bunch of fallacy or lies or or even racist at times, but they communicate it effectively that unites the whole party. And if people don't fall in line with that, what happens? It becomes a it becomes a musical chair. You're in, you're out. Mm-hmm. Mike Pence in one day became public enemy number one. They don't care about flipping on somebody. So they, they, I mean, obviously these people are damn near radicals or insane, but I'm saying like, I think the democratic party could take a lot of notes into, into how things, how communication was, was sent out, you know, and how, how they're able to talk to people, especially what Bam brought up was my favorite point is talking about, Hey, look, we saw Georgia flip, not only blue for presidential, but also for the Senate vote. They're both, both their seats for the senators are, are blue. I mean, you're they're right there in that middle of that red south. Who anybody over there is willing to flip at any time, especially that I know COVID nineteen as cute as thought Florida thought they were. COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. I'm sure hit a lot of those communities harder than we even ever know. A lot of those regions in Mississippi uh, and, and 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 others in the south are have a lot of socioeconomic issues, and I'm sure if you talk to them and had the right people speaking to them. They, they would be willing to go along with the party that is more in line with helping them, not helping that their businesses they work for, not helping the the, the companies they go to get health care coverage or whatever, but helping them as people's individuals. If that's communicated to them, I think you could see a flip or even a change in a county might set the precedence for the future. Look, the, the prophet, the prophet Rahm Emanuel has this really good quote uh, out there that I want to emphasize and get out there. Uh, he once said, you never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> and, and I think that's a really good point here. And like, it's an argument that, uh, of course, fuck Rahm Emanuel and his entire family. I don't really mean that. But yeah, the yeah. idea there is something that um, friend of the show, Jimmy Dore, <laughs> has been kind of pointing out to for a very long time, right? That we are going to have to, why did I take that camera? We are going to have to get to a place (laughs) where we are starting to tie the material conditions that people are currently existing with the policy solutions that the left of the Democratic Party is advocating for very strongly. And that includes tying um, the COVID-19 botched handling of that as to, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had one central system that was like taxpayer funded and operated for that allowed us to um, equally distribute this vaccine. I mean, we're going to talk in a moment about how poorly the vaccine is being um, handed out and distributed, but we had problems with our healthcare system before COVID-19. Wouldn't it be great if we had some ways to solve this now? Doesn't this accentuate the issue now, right? And so we can begin having that argument. We can begin challenging Democrats. Um, well, it, it's we can't 
put the cart before the horse. We have to remember how this goes, because I think we're all, a lot of us on the same page on the show and, and the broader left. First, you have to make a thing popular, which it is, but then you have to provide the pressure. So you have to go out and do like a campaign with people and say, this is a thing you like, this is a thing all of your friends and neighbors like, this is a thing that would help all of you, this is who's against it. <laughs> and then those people are immediately activated to start to put pressure in increasing numbers on politicians of all kinds, ones who are moderate Democrats, ones who are moderate Republicans, to do, hey, do this thing. And then all of a sudden, the people who can potentially throw them out of office in 2022, which is looking to be a pretty bad map for Senate Republicans, um, this could be an opportunity to kind of tick all the boxes. We're pressuring the Democratic Party from the left. We're passing Medicare for all, which is popular. We're getting Republicans to maybe turn and maybe if they're not on our side or maybe we can't trust them, they're at least advocating for better policies um, that'll help people in the long run. We can get all these wins done if we just actually, I think, focus as a coalition and uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. But hopefully we don't need... Um, some more Twitter discourse to distract us from that actual goal we have that is more within our grasp than ever. I heard Jimmy Dore and I perked up. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, like, this... Can we, can we go in or what? We're fucking waiting. What? Let me lose. Okay, let me just say this off top. Jimmy Dore, you're a coward. You're a clown. Is this about... Am I going in on Jimmy Dore? Am I going... Go get him, he's, dog. Go get him, dog. He's a disingenuous, uneducated, blowhard. Um, he's someone that I mean, there's a lot of clout chasers out there, but he's taken the reins from Glenn Greenwald. Like Glenn Greenwald is on a downward spiral in his clout chasery. Jimmy Dore took this uh force the vote hashtag and just took clout chasing to 10. Um, sadly, he got over, uh, sadly, he, he got overshadowed by what went down at the Capitol, which he could care less about. I was on his Twitter. You know, it's funny. These guys are, are, are funny. What they do when they like really care about something is that they actually tweet about it, like write it out. But what, you can tell when they don't care because they just retweet somebody. Mm. It's Cap and it's Fugazi. I'm onto it. Now, Jimmy Dore was doing the whole force the vote thing, and I know he got a lot of support for that from different people. Just bullshit. But for me, I'm not going to be taking, like, direction from somebody. I like, like, it sounds hot, but, like, I know that you actually don't even know how government works. Like, I can't take you serious unless you can sit there and tell me how these things would actually work. It isn't just like you just show up and say, hey, I want to do this thing and it's supposed to get done. It does not work like that. And and the fact that he gets to go on his show and trivialize the political process just to wind people up and like play to people's emotions, I, 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 that, that as a person who like takes things serious, it bothers me. I don't really care as much anymore because I don't, I don't follow him on anything. I, I could, like I, I've I've seen past who he is. I mean, your man handed you a block recently, so there's also that. <laughs> yeah, and he, and, he, and he blocked me, but but I wasn't following him then. I would just like reply to his t tweets and talk shit, but wasn't really talking shit. I was being obvious about who he is. But I mean, it's just like it sucks because, you know. There's there's always this narrative about like the American voter. You have to like dumb things down for the American voter. Like it, it hurts my heart 
but like it, it's often said, like the American voter is dumb and they just don't know. You got to make it very simple. You got to sloganize everything. And for somebody like Jimmy Dore, who pretends to be a progressive, pretends to be on the left, um, he's doing the same thing on the left. Like you're trivializing and you're sloganizing things that are are a little bit deeper than than you even care to learn about. You're lazy. Like you, you like it's just so much cap in your rap. I I just can't. Either way, the force the vote thing, the people that he's been courting these past five years, he's been courting those Trump supporters with his uh, videos and his YouTube. They 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 got even too real for you. When you're dancing around, you know, just spent your last four years talking about Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and AOC and Obama, your whole last four years, Trump can go assassinate somebody in Iraq. Trump can uh, completely botch COVID, lie about COVID. You never even cared. Okay, you're trying to court those people. Those people turned up on even on you, and they wouldn't have stormed the Capitol building. If you were real, you would have been there with them, actually. All these complaints you got, if you were real, you would have gone there with them. You getting super chats? Fuck, boy. I'm done. <laughs> So it's 2021, January 2021, which means we are doing the thing we've been doing on Power Report ever since March 2020, which is checking in on COVID-19 and figuring out, um, <laughs> it's called COVID-19. Get your COVID-19 update. Woo woo. <laughs> yes. Let's see what records we broke today. We're, we, we're going to get some death numbers in a minute. We're going to get some, uh, how the rates are going and how bad it is in all these places in a moment. But the thing I want to focus on is the fact that we had this story early on where we just wanted to find the cure. There was remdesivir for a while. There are all these different things. There was hydroxychloroquine. There were bleach injections. There are all these different ideas of how do you cure COVID-19, right? And we finally have it. We have multiple vaccines that multiple countries have been issuing. And there are reports that, like, in New York, uh, like... 70% of the vaccine is just sitting, uh, waiting to expire because it's not being handed out responsibly or the right way. Uh, Cuomo was denying uh, being able to allocate it more properly in the different directions. So we, are, we have all of the money. We're ordering more vaccine than we literally know how to get out to people. Uh, the first responders and healthcare workers aren't even all getting the vaccine. Um, there are people who have not been working on COVID-19 in some hospitals who are getting the vaccine before people who are. Uh, looks like capitalism has done it again, delivering the number one best solution to problems that only capitalism can solve. Let's go. We did it. Um, so with that, what, what, hit us with some stats, Jamie. What, what are we doing here? What, what, what records are we blowing today? Did we beat England? Did we beat yeah, them? We got that new super bug, right? Uh, for, we got that Eat super bug. Let's go, baby. I mean, do you want it by county? Do you want it like Country? how do you, how do you want it? You're gonna break down county? Just give us a damn number, dog. Who died? What, no, no. What, what's the count at? What's the overall count at in the United States? No, no. Do it I by name. 
I believe we broke the record the day of the Independence Day invasion. We had like the record for most deaths and date that day that they did the invasion. It just didn't get the highlighted news because we all saw obviously what was going so, on. Oh, in the United States, there are 22 million cases, total cases, and deaths 369,000. Nice. nice. <laughs> 369. That's a that's a nice number of 369. 369. Um, Code's fake. And I think we are um, <sighs> maxing the daily amount, two of cases, right? I think we like even did pass that one day. Uh, yeah, California's at uh, 29,000 deaths. A lot. Texas is at 30,000 deaths. Um, cases are just ballooning here. Um, Florida's at 25,000. Yeah, there's a lot. Um. I thought that you brought up a really good point. I thought that's one of my major gripes. And I thought the distribution of the vaccine has been really piss poor. Um, I've heard about people from that area, basically, um, in that field, being able to reschedule appointments whenever they want. It seems very lax. And I think that there hasn't been a real push towards making it a serious, a serious priority to get this handled. Yes, you're a frontline worker. Yes, uh, you work, you know, you're working in that field. It's a, it's a priority for you to get this. It's not like oh, I can get it if I want and all this. And I think that that's been kind of, of course, we, we've seen capitalism takes over. The, the cool doctor that does surgery doesn't even involve with COVID, but he's so cool at the hospital, gets it before some of the nurses do. I think it's been handled terribly. Um, we've seen what the second strain is doing in other countries, such as you know China going back on a lockdown, England uh, England shutting down. And here we are just dilly-dallying, and because because we have so many damn uh, QAnon conspiracy idiots in this in this damn country, that there's still a lax feeling about COVID-19, but real people are dying in these streets. I know we're joking and, and cheering a show, but real people are dying here, dude. Can we just, like, get this distribution properly? I don't know what's going on at, at, at the veteran. I've seen the veteran uh, stadium, Sean, but they used to have COVID testing available free all the time from the city of Long Beach. Mm -hmm. You're not able to go there anymore because they shut it down. I'm assuming they're distributing vaccines in that area because it's all these massive lines of cars or something. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think that it needs to be uh, upped that, you know, me and Bam also, we were looking at what local areas are going to be distributing vaccines in terms of grocery stores and stuff in the area. It's, 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 it's all done. It's all been planned just as the seamless was. It's, hey, we did it, but we don't know what's going to be rolled out, but we did it. And some people got paid. Some people didn't. Just America kind of really stumbling on their own feet with, what, 300 million plus people? It's really unacceptable. And if I could go in really quickly just to give some statistics, some alarming statistics from Healthline. As of January 6th, 21 and a half million doses of the vaccine have been distributed, but only 6 million people have received even just the first dose. Meanwhile, Israel has vaccinated 20% uh, of its entire population. Um, that's less Insane. people, you but that's still... Except for people in Gaza Strip. Well, I said people, so that's implied. Oh. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, come on, man. Dog, I'm out. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm out. Again. I, I remember Golda Meir said that uh, Arabs are crocodiles or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Bolsonaro said Brazilians are going to turn into crocodiles, so we're all, we're all family here. Uh, you remember this last episode? I told you I want to go take that vaccine in Israel. I know it's going to be yeah. fast and ready. You, you Boom. They, they're giving they, everybody they're that's preserving them population. That's what they're doing. They're like, we ain't getting no more Israelis going to get COVID. Birthright, if you're an Israeli in Israel, you're good. They're, they're, they're. I mean, going back to what Caesar was saying, like we do have a lot of issues with bureaucracy in this country. Like, um, sometimes it's just like such 
Like we got problems with bureaucracy, customer service, you know, uh, supply chains. Like we end up having so many issues with that a lot of times where like if it's a centralized <laughs> that sounds hella communist, but um, hey man, hey, 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 if it's like a centralized, I mean, for something like healthcare, it's like this is like the key to life. If it's something centralized, it's just a lot easier and streamlined. Um, and like, yeah, you look at like other countries around the world, like it's just like, okay, we got this many, we got this many doses, and like we're starting in December. And, you know, whenever there's like some news that comes out, like, oh, this person died from the vaccine. No, they didn't die from the vaccine. You know, we're taking care of it. Like, you yeah. know, and just getting ahead of that. But yeah, we just have like this free for all a lot of times here. Yeah, it sucks because in the one the one area where you kind of want that centralized, structured, like government uh, 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 system of trying to distribute distribute. Uh, health, uh, health, and medical needs for people. We don't have that here. It becomes a lot of like, oh, who's more important and who's special? Who has money? Who's this? And that's what gets in the way of of America. Where you know, it's like we're stepping on our own feet here, and it's really frustrating to see. Yeah, I am. It, it's sad. I mean, like, not a lot of countries are doing their COVID rollouts really well. But one thing that I did notice is that, you know, the the global south all the other countries that are not um the first world wealthy countries um we're never going to be the ones who are going to get the vaccine in large quantities um like enough to help with their spread of it it was never going to be spread equally across the globe it was always going to be first come first serve to some extent but you even have cases where you have a story coming out where people are in countries where they were testing the vaccine to help like get studies and make sure it was ready for use but the vaccine isn't even getting distributed in those same countries um so that you can actually start to eradicate aspects of this pandemic like um i i say we say all this we emphasize this to justify to juxtapose to the idea that we are constantly told that the way capitalism is set up and the way our economic system is set up is such that um, things always go to people who need it and we can handle things in emergencies because we run things so well and we balance things so easily. Well, it was very much a lie. We've learned that was a lie over the past four years. We've learned even more so that was a lie now. But not only that, we were lied to of the, what capitalism can do. That, because we were sold that lie, we were now underprepared for the fact that capitalism can't handle a problem like this. And now we're all kind of going through like survivor's shock in a pause. We're kind of just frozen, not knowing what to do in this moment right now. But it's very clear that we're botching this rollout. It's not equitable. It's not even going to help us eradicate the virus any sooner. If anything, we're probably going to have lockdowns to some extent through this summer again, um, which is absolutely unconscionable and shouldn't have happened like i don't even think here's a good question when do you think you'll be able to get the vaccine it'll probably be to like optimistically for me i would guess april at this point i don't know but like it's gonna be a long time i was thinking june but caesar said earlier probably i thought earlier but then i didn't think the rollout was gonna be like this i mean let's ask a realistic question if we, uh, uh, borrowing what the conversation me and you had been about like where to get it 
do we really even know like how this process would be rolled out for us? There's been terrible communication across the board on how they were going to be taking care of this in general. We don't really know. We don't, we don't have much. It's like we're just sitting here, like you said, in limbo. And that's why earlier in the show I was advocating for them. Of course, they passed a stimulus to, and, and the unemployment benefits to, get, to go to March 29th. I think it was 11 weeks dating from January 1st. But it should go farther. It should have been a six-month era into stimulus because it seems like if this is what the rollout's going to be, if this is how it's going to go down, then it needs to go all the way to the summer because we might lose another beautiful summer again to this. We super are. Um, so yeah. you say So you say April, Dan? Caesar said uh, March. I did say March, but I'm... I'm not thinking it. So it, de- it depends on your health care provider as well because everyone's fucking different because, you know, private insurance... Um, I I know like um, I have Kaiser uh, that they were like they had information and stuff on it. I need to read up more on it, but I'm probably not expecting until the summer for the majority of the Kaiser's people. Kaiser is useless on even um, getting so June, tests, July. let alone um, information so, on the vaccine, and they have been useless. Well, this well, well forget time. you guys. I'm getting March. So yeah, um, I'm not really optimistic on it in either context. I'm getting March either way. None of y'all can stop me. Fair. I'm going to suck it out your arm. Whoa. And that's going to be the cold open. And we're just going to like begin. <laughs> and you might need, you might need like a little blade right here to just like, like push that blood a little bit and then just go. And oh, well, why are we breaking down how to suck vaccines out of my arm? Can we not like go into like a whole process into this and just end the show or what? <laughs> no, no. Now he has those weapons here. I, I, I think we're good on this episode. We're ending on a very violent note. <laughs> Well, are we? I mean, this is America 2021, and yeah, we are kind of like wrapping near um, the end of the allotted time, the allotted uh, Caesar's billable hours, because you know union and all that stuff. But um, he's union break, dude. This is going to be a very interesting year um, with Power Report and all that stuff. I'm going to have great interviews uh, that should be coming up down the pipeline. I know I promised last year, but this is hey, new year, new me. So uh, maybe we'll be more reliable in that regards, and also scheduling people is just very hard. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Biden's administration kind of begins and kind of tackles all of these different things. And like I said, I'm just waiting for them to fail us in some way. Um, I'm just please. I'm I'm hoping that people don't forget Trump, just like don't. we didn't forget Obama. Do not forget Trump. Amen. Um, and I think that if anybody's here really listening to, um, these concerns they have with Trump's account being shut down and stuff like that online, just know you can channel that energy to more important things in the world. There's a lot more going on in your life that matters more. Maybe even picking up your dog, uh, dog poop or cleaning your cat litter is more important than worrying about Donald Trump's Twitter being taken away. Let's treat it as how we should have treated it when he came in. Just ignore the guy in that sense. It doesn't matter. I, I blocked him and I muted him first and I blocked him two years ago. Just That's the best way to approach it because now that he's voiceless, let's keep him that way. I, I don't want to hear from this man unless he's around security and they have like like a, a talk to him through like a window and he has a speaker. He has to press a button to speak. No, I'm down. Then he can talk after that. We smoking on Trump's Twitter pack tonight too. Yeah. I'm about, hmm. Power report. Can, but right. the memes are funny though. <laughs> oh yeah. The memes are great. Uh, Oh, the memes are fucking hilarious. Hey, hun, hey, the 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 one from his wife. Can I borrow your phone real quick? <laughs> uh, also, 
The one with the kid mowing the lawn is pretty funny too. Yeah, the mowing the lawn one's a classic. Can we talk about how Ted Cruz, the blueberry ball sourpuss bitch, for like still going this far into like the Donald Trump? Come, come, guzzling, come guzzling fucking cuck, dude. Like, there's literally no oh my idea. God, dude. Like, Jesus, I have no Sean. idea how Ted Cruz can be this much of like simp is too much of a high honor. He's like one of those like court gestures who entertains the queen by squeezing his balls with like chainmail in the 1500s because Ted Cruz gets off from public humiliation and it's very clear because no one else besides maybe Josh Hawley and his like wild ass but he's just going to be the new Ron Paul of the Senate <laughs> but like the Ron Paul of the House like no one would jump on the Titanic that is Donald Trump's ship right now willingly unless they truly hated themselves so that's the only thing I got for Ted Cruz right now honestly yeah yeah, and also probably hated your wife. Do you remember what that man said about your wife, Ted Cruz? Exactly. Did you forget about that dude? Did you forget this man was dissing wifey? He was dissing wifey, and here you are, uh, yeah, li licking his tie again, following where Trump goes. You're uh, one of the weakest. Imagine Texas. The, the the mood of anybody who meets a Texan, like they're the coolest people ever, right? Big Texas, this and this. And you got Ted Cruz and and Johnny Boy over there as your senators. That's the major L of all time as your senators. You're supposed to be alpha male, like gun carrying, gun ho, like fuck shit up. And then everybody's, Ted Cruz over here everybody's, is like, oh, Trump, daddy Trump. Oh, everybody's so seen uh, John Cornyn's uh, post of that brisket he made that was leaking blood. It was so gross. He don't even know how to cook. You call yourself a Texan? Get out of here, dog. You're whack. D Ted Cruz, uh, Ted Cruz's dad, Rafael Cruz, said that Ted Cruz was the second coming of Jesus. He could never live up to that. And he's just forever shamed. His dad really set him up for failure. Call him second coming Jesus, dude. That's, oh, yeah. That's I'm tough. Like, oh, yeah. Ted Cruz barely looks like he was like the result of second pre-coming becoming a human being. I'm surprised that he barely he, made it. I'm surprised he was that... the result of eight generations. No, I'm incest. surprised that Ted Cruz is the sperm that won. Really, it really bodes well for Ted Cruz's father, the Zodiac Killer. Uh, some weak genes. His dad's Cuban. His dad's Cuban. Weak genes. Well, and it, but his name's not Ted. But go ahead. Oh yeah, uh, Rafael Cruz. Uh, in in yeah. <laughs> Never forget your roots. It, it, what's Bobby Jindal's real name? Because he goes in that Hall of Fame of whitening yourself for the Republican Party. Who? Bobby Jindal, the former governor of Louisiana. Remember? Bobby Jindal. His name was oh. him a bleach. Yeah, there we go. Oh, what about a uh, what about Nick uh, Nikki Haley? <laughs> <laughs> her, her 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 real name is kind of wild. Yeah, Nikki Haley's real name is Nimrata, which is not that wild, but still, it's very much not Nikki. Yeah, you Republican called Nimrata, they'll be like, "Who that?" I mean, Rondawa. Ron, Ron, oh, we're being racist. Condoleezza uh, walk on, so now. Nikki Haley could run. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Power Report. Power Report can be found on Instagram at powerreport.world, on Twitter, powerreportwrld. Uh, Bam can be found on Twitter at March Leonard. Caesar can be found on Twitter at We Made It Seas. Uh, hey, yes, I changed it. Your boy, We Made It Seas on oh, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Sean at SW Suarez. I am at Dan from the Web. And yeah, whole show can be found powerreport.world. I'm still getting used to doing the outros for this. I'm still getting used to understanding why Bam loves doing the smoke signal that much, even though he hasn't touched a lick of weed in his life. And uh, we'll be back probably in two weeks with uh, whatever is left with the Republic. Have a good one.
If we're not canceled, love you. Bye. Smoking an Ashley pack. <laughs>